Welcome to this special episode of the Hive Life Podcast as we take an introspective look at influencing entrepreneurs, a video and teaching series by our friend Cass Ward. During this episode, we'll break down some of the key points of his interview with Landon and Kat Eccles of Clean Juice. I'm Jared Latch alongside my business partner, Tim Bear and Cass Ward as we tackle episode 109 of Influencing Entrepreneurs. During this discussion, we'll look at the following topics, competitive landscape, branding versus education, company culture, sustainable growth, and stakeholders. So as we look at that first topic, when you start a new company, how do you measure who your competitors are? We we touched on this in a couple of our other discussions, and it can be a little bit complicated on where to go. How do you do it? Well, Kat summed it up really good in that she knew who her competitors weren't, and she identified companies that people might think are their competitors, which were other juice companies, but they were companies that were fronting as that. They would throw in, you know, a fruit smoothie and then add, I think at one point he said like 16 tablespoons of sugar or some absurd amount. She knew that that was not what they wanted to be. She said, if we were going to be that company, we would, we would compete with a milkshake company, which at that point, it really narrows down your field. Now, she doesn't go into deep detail of who the competitors are, but you got to think of who are the food conscious and how do we educate and brand towards those people so that we under, they understand that, hey, if you want to eat as clean as possible, if you want it, as, le- as little or less sugar and preservatives in your product, this is the place to come. And this can sometimes be challenging. I mean, we saw this with one of our first partners in Euphoria. They were replicating over and over again. They were in the same organic space of providing a better product as far as yogurt. But when you're looking to perfect that, it really matters who you're catering to. I know we talked about the competition being out there, but what dangers exist in a flooded scenario like that? Well, they number one, there's exposure. How do you how do you let your ideal customer find where you are number two where do you find your ideal customer and they they spent the time now they came from pennsylvania they did decide to move here to start a new life to start a, a new business based on their their life goals and that was based on faith and health and they realized after doing the research that these were the areas that were most concentrated with their customer base so it makes sense that based on a upper middle class type product that would be a consumer for their their for their stores that Burkdale Village right outside of Charlotte North Carolina would be the first shop. I thought Cat had a good handle on the idea that you know these juice shops exist in Southern California. They exist in New York. They're in these places that you would expect that they need to go to compete in, but they saw it as yeah, that product's already there. Why don't we take it to places that they aren't yet and tap into those markets? And the, the movement toward healthy you know, eating, and in this case drinking, um, was already there, but it wasn't being serviced. And so what they tried to do was put something there, and then they figured Charlotte was very much like a lot of areas across the country. Instead of Southern California being very different, New York being very different, they figured if they could make it work in something that's very similar to other areas of the country that – they could replicate it like they have. And identifying that opportunity is key because yeah. 
we tend to be drawn to where the activity is instead of taking it into new areas, which is riskier. But they said, you know what? We believe in this and we know the audience is there. Let's hit the untapped markets. Now, what's essential then with that audience, branding and education, two different things. So you're in a saturated marketplace, uh, not as likely here on the East Coast, but we talk in general, this concept is out there. So you're going to provide this healthy juice. So how do you mix the two together and is one more important than the other? Well, I love the fact that you're asking this, Jared, because we've spent a lot of time <laughs> in the past few years figuring where branding and education intersect. And it's, it's difficult because um, as a consultant, um, as someone who sold products business to business, direct to consumers, we find that we spend a lot of time telling our ideal customers what we're not, atoning for the sins of the, those that came before us. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're saying, um, we're, we're not trying to, you know, pull the wool over your eyes. This is what the product is. There is nothing else in it. The, the benefits, the, the ingredients, they, they literally tell you everything that goes into their product. And, and what's more key to this than anything, and probably one of their best sellers, is the fact that they sell juice kits. They say, hey, here's everything you need to do this at home, and you can see and make the exact shake that we make here at home get started. If you don't want to go through that hassle, we're on every corner or as convenient as possible. Imagine, number one, imagine if it was possible for McDonald's to say, here's how you can make McDonald's fries at home, right? What would we need? It's not easy, actually. Yeah. I've had friends do it. Right. And, and, <laughs> and at that point, is it worth it? So right. what, what they're selling is they're selling two things like we're the real deal. You can do this yourself. But also we're here when when we're there for convenience. Luckily for us, people are becoming more and more educated, you know, even day by day. So people are just becoming much more aware of what's going into their food and taking the time to kind of research all these type of things. Um, but we do have that question all the time, you know, how are you different from X, Y, and Z smoothie shop, and we just have to explain, you know, high level the difference between processed sugars and natural sugars. We're just selling a product that really benefits your body in multiple different ways versus what's really a milkshake at that point, right. you know. <laughs> so, and we, you know, we love milkshakes, but it's like if we're going to go have that, let's go to get a really good, you know, let's go to Jenny's ice cream and get ice cream. Right. Let's not get something that we're convincing ourselves is healthy. healthy. One of the things that we talk to a lot is company culture and that's one of those pegs that we you know in these days it's very important and it's something that everybody tries to stake uh, in the ground when you're a company like clean juice growing at such a fast rate and the majority of these people being franchisees instead of being part of your actual company I think they said they only have five company stores and then the rest are all franchisees so how hard is it to keep culture alive and keep it there as you're growing? I think the, the interview process that they had for their franchisees was different than anything I've ever heard of before in that process. It seemed much more, you know, in other processes, you'd throw the cast the net out and grab a bunch of them and then hope a couple of them stay around, whereas they were very one-on-one -on -one and very targeted in who they brought into that fold. But company culture plays into this whole play. So... Their company culture is something that, and I don't want to be too harsh, is something that I, I would say I might have a concern in the long term. 
they're recruiting the franchisees and their company culture there is spot on. It, it is very similar to Chick-fil-A. It is based on faith. It's based on being in the business. So if the three of us said, hey, this is a good investment, we couldn't go get a franchise and just say, hey, we'll pay our fee and have one of our, our underlings run the company. We need to know personally as franchisees, this is what it takes to get this business running. This is how the kitchen works. This is how the storefront runs. And, and really looking at the success of Chick-fil-A, how excellent is that? We know no matter where we go, those owners and operators have been through that training ground to, to make it stay true to brand. Now, in their company culture, they, it's based strongly on health and faith. And they identify only franchis or fran franchisees or franchisors that, that have those same values. So keeping that culture is very, I want to say, I don't want to say easy, but it's, it, it, it's less difficult to keep consistency. Where I would see that my concern would be is, is once they are up and running, how do you maintain that at the store level? Because when you have four, or they had what, four company stores and everyone else is run by the, fran the, the franchisees, how do we ensure that they're instilling that culture? If you get those things right, home run. So we actually have the best uh, director of franchise development ever. Her name's Stacy, and she, she really starts the process with them, getting to know them, has multiple phone calls, uh, FaceTimes with them, and she really gets to know them personally. Obviously, they have to have a certain amount of liquidity and cash flow to be able to open a clean juice, so that's, that's vetted. Um, but Kat and I still meet with every single potential franchise partner uh, that come through our doors. So when we schedule a discovery day, um, we do it individually. A lot of companies, they'll bring in a group of people, hit them with a PowerPoint and hope that they award maybe half the room. We do it a lot differently. We have them come in, we get to know them personally. We wanna know why do you wanna open a Clean Juice? Uh, why are you passionate about this? Are you passionate about it? What's your operating experience? Where do you want to go? Have you done the research on your market yet? So we ask them all these questions. Um, and then they meet with our management team and they get even more granular with those questions. We have them prepare a business plan as to how they are going to make Clean Juice successful in their neighborhood, right? Because it's their neighborhood and they know it better than we will. So it's up for them to provide that. Um, and then they go around and see our stores. They see the back end of the business, the, um, the kitchen, the front of the house, the back of the house. We actually put them on the register for a minute to see how they interact with guests. We have them make product. Um, and that's a whole day. And when you look at culture from the beginning of an organization as well, to take it a step back, I know for Tim and I, we had an idea and ideas about what we wanted to create culture-wise for Spherical Media. So how essential is that you always hear that culture either defines you or you define it. So you want to define it before it defines itself. How, how important is that? Well, how much does company culture cost would be the first question. And where do you buy it? What store do you go to to buy company culture? And what might be onto a business. Exactly. But um, what, what's also funny is where we talk about company culture now more in relation to millennials because they're the workforce. And just in our time in business and growing up, we, we grew up watching baby boomers say, if you work hard and you have a good work ethic, your company will always take care of you because they value that. And then as markets rose and crashed, they realized that there wasn't a lot of truth to that. Then Generation X came along and said, 
I'm willing to do this, but what's in this for me? I just want to understand this. And as millennials come, they want to be a part of something. You can get them to do probably more than the generations that preceded them, but they want buy-in. They just want to know, where do I fit in? What do I get to do? So, so as a concept, we talk about company culture. Older companies are struggling to find cult, you know, how to instill company culture. And mathematically, it doesn't work. Where do you show your company culture and the cost of that on the balance sheet? How do you how do you turn that into a return on investment? I'm going to give you my theory on it, but I personally believe if your employees are not brand ambassadors of your own product, then how do you expect your customers to be? I mean, I would say the areas that you would look at, though, are you know expenses that you're going to use for those culture plays, but uh, turnover, I think, is a big one. I think that when you see the cost of a new hire and then the ability to keep people on for multiple years and, and gain that loyalty, I think that's one of those KPIs that a lot of people look at when they're talking about culture. Man, the time, I mean, the time and the disruption, I know you don't come to a number on that, but you, you combine those three things together, and that's a major issue, the rehiring, especially in a small business environment. When, when we see even when one person's out for extended time, that disrupts a lot of things. So if you're continuing to have to, to rehire for positions that you lose, that's a tough strain that goes on to the business. And, and like you said, the perfect word is it's disruptive. So it, it's great that we're asking these questions now and that companies are spending the time and resources to say, hey, this is, exa- this is important. And we want to enjoy coming to work. I mean, we all have those friends that drive to work every day and say, I want to be doing what you guys do. I want to be my own boss. And there's nights we're lying in bed in cold sweats because we don't know <laughs> what the next week brings. And we say, no, 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 you don't. But the one consistent thing is, is we like where we go every day. We like the people we're with. We are all buying into the same vision and part of that, that similar culture. So I would look at, you know, one of the topics in here is sustainable growth and, and the speed at which this company has grown. Um, I'll throw a humble brag in here. We met these, these guys actually at uh, Fast 50 last year, and they were one of the fastest growing companies in our city. I think what uh, was unique, though, is when I sat down to watch the episode and they said, well, we came up with the idea in 2014. And I was floored by that in the fact that they have grown to this size in such a short window of time. Is it good? Is it is it scary? Are they just riding the roller coaster? How does that play out for a business? I mean, I know for us, I I would be definitely a little terrified if we were growing at that rate. I think they're minimizing their risk somewhat because of the franchise model, uh, for sure. But I mean, what are your thoughts there? So my, my thoughts there are more based on they really aren't selling juice anymore. They are selling franchises. And that's important. That's the next evolution of their business. And they knew that's what they wanted to get into for the long term. The good news is, is they got a great network to help find and identify those candidates. What I so, so if I told you guys, hey, Spiracle, we're going to open four offices in the next year. I mean, the night sweats start immediately if i mean right the, so the first thing you'd say is where are we going to get the money 
So they've identified that resource. What they have now is, so let's say they get every, for every shop they want to open, they have somebody in line to do that. The next piece is they've got the money, they've got the person to run the company. Will they do that in accordance with everything that the franchise stands for? And that goes back to branding. So at some point, we've seen franchises, and I don't want to mention any by name, but we've seen them that they were great when they first started, and once they go nationwide, you walk into their stores, they're dirty, they, their food, the, the quality of their food is you know, below average at best. How my my question for them would be how do you keep your quality and brand just as strong as you grow so quickly? As we get down to the final stretch here, let's look at the stakeholders. So who are the stakeholders in a company like Clean Juice? Well, this this is where, in my opinion, that that Landon and Kat um, segregate their duties so well. She is so good at realizing who their customers are who are buying the juice. And in his background, he is his his customers or his stakeholders are the shareholders. So or not shareholders, but the franchisors. So what makes them successful? Again, people coming into their store buying their juice. So as long as she's overseeing that customers are wanting this product, they know where where to get it, what it's all about and can drive those sales, I think all their stakeholders end up being the actual franchisors and the payoff is there for them. So now we sold Jared a franchise of Clean Juice in um, up in Concord and we've done our part on, on a global level. Um, let's Cat keeps you know that brand strong. Now Jared wants to, to have a second franchise. And from there, the return on those will see faster growth for the entire entire organization. I think something else that we we didn't really hit here, but part of his background, he was commercial real estate. So that is key, expanding location, 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 as far as where these are going. So that's a pivotal part of his background that just reinforces the team that they are. Yeah, it was another one of those skill sets that really, you know, we talk about the entrepreneur's toolbox. I mean, to bring that into the table, it really helped, helped them first secure that first location, but then know, what those landlords and those those developers are looking for so that they can be that that tenant in that prized possession and that prized place. So that'll wrap up this episode. We encourage you to watch the full video episode of Cass's interview with Landon and Kat Eccles by visiting influencingentrepreneurs.com. You can find out more about Spiracle Media by visiting our website at spiraclemedia.com. For Tim Bear and Cass Ward, I'm Jared Life saying thanks for joining us. <laughs>